Are you in need of a reason to dance? Well, I've got one for you. On May 15th, I will be hosting a donation-based burlesque class to raise funds for COVID relief for India. All of the funds will be going to the Indian Red Cross Society. So come on and play with me. Shimmy and shake for a good cause. Pay what you can. Absolutely no experience necessary. Let's do this. Go to michellamore.com to register today. Hello and welcome to Look Down There, the show where we talk about all the things we don't talk about. I'm your host, Michelle Lamore. Today my guest is an amazing artist, singer, songwriter, and actress. You may have seen her on season 18 of The Voice, where she worked with team legend Blake and Kelly. Her songs, Woman and Room to Grow, speak to her growth into womanhood as she lives with alopecia. She plans to educate the world on the psychosocial response to alopecia and encourages her audience to live authentically and to thrive in adversity. Here she is, the voice, the goddess, Sidris. Hello, thank you for having me, Michelle. Yes, thank you so much for being here. You know, I remember the first time I saw you and that was really one of our only interactions, <laughs> maybe a year and a half or two years ago, who knows? Time is an illusion at this point. Um, but I remember seeing you and I was like, I know, I know, like I, I know, I, I have to ask her if she has alopecia because I have alopecia and I had just come out and revealed my secret to the public, um, you know, probably about a year before I met you. So I was living in this new skin and this new body where I didn't experience the shame that I was carrying and this burden around alopecia. So I had to reach out to you because I was like, I know, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool to meet you too because that, that was actually one of the first times that I'd been to um, Black Rabbit Rose in LA. And I feel, and it's funny that you say like this new body and like coming in, you know, saying, hello world, this is, this is me, you know, um, because I feel like I'm just a totally different person than I was two years ago. Um, I feel like it's a new body that I'm becoming. And then also me growing into like my womanhood. I feel like it's just a whole new transformation. Um, and to be able to embrace it is just, it feels a lot better than denying it. So uh, it's really, really great to, to meet other people who have alopecia and who are just kind of living freely in their image, you know? Yeah. And I, I hadn't really, you know, I was thinking about talking you to, to you today and I was like, you know what? I don't really know that I've met very many people with alopecia. And so it's such a treat to talk to someone who like gets it and has been through it. And, and you like me are, are in this really image based industry. And so like, when did you get diagnosed with alopecia? When did this come into your life? Yeah, I was diagnosed at 10 years old mm -hmm. and, um, it, it came out very quickly. Um, I didn't notice it actually before I was diagnosed, but it, um, it, it everyone at my school noticed I had a, uh, my hair in a ponytail, but then there's like that section right at the bottom 
that just yeah. com was completely gone. And I had no idea. And um, right after, you know, um, right after I went to the doctors and got diagnosed, my hair was like, it came out maybe months later. But you know, what's very interesting is that I got strep throat right before I was diagnosed with alopecia. And then I was injected with, I don't know how many milligrams, but I had two shots of penicillin. And then alopecia hit, my hair fell out. Yeah. And then I grew yeah, back. So that triggered triggered your autoimmune response, probably. Right, 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 right. And some people might be like, maybe that that caused it, but I think the word triggered is 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 a thing. Um, is mm -hmm. was the thing that happened. Um, so when I was, I think, sixteen years old, it grew back for two months without any treatment. I've never gone through any treatment, um, and it was about uh, about here. Um, and I'm black and Asian, so my hair was, is just like kind of <laughs> all over the place. Um, but I had been wearing like long straight wigs for so long, my hair grew back and I was just kind of wearing like my afro out and not really having any sense of how to work it. I just put some water in it, which is not good for black girl hair. Like <laughs> just put water in it and it just, it just, it's just dry. It didn't make sense. Um, and then it fell out again. Um, and so now I'm, I'm 29 and I've had it since I was 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was diagnosed around six. Um, and like you, I didn't know, I didn't really have any idea what was happening. I wasn't, I didn't have any self image, you know, I wasn't self-conscious. I was just running around and being a kid. Right. But I knew that I was going in for a lot of blood work. I didn't really know why. Um, and then it was just like, okay, you have alopecia. And so, you know, I, I never lost all of it, but I might as well have, you know, through junior high, I had little tiny patches of hair that I tried very hard. I thought I was fooling everybody, Cedrice. <laughs> I would like, you know, take my three little hairs and try to cover the huge spot on my head. It was just like, the worst comb over there ever was probably <laughs> um but yeah i mean it it is such a it's such a release to just live in your live in your body yeah and so when did you release when did you let go of your wigs i was 24 years old uh okay. and i had kind of like you actually i love how you styled your hair so thanks. I just got it cut. My first cut. It was, it's so interesting. So when my hair did fell out, grew back and then fell out again, it still grew. If I just left it alone, it grew in a mohawk. Yes. It, yeah. It, that's what mine is. Yeah. That's so interesting because it, it looks so good on you. <laughs> I feel like everyone who tries to shave their head like halfway and then keep the other half, the look that you have is the look they're going for. <laughs> right. You know what? Alopecia is very stylish. It is. You, know, like, you had an undercut before anybody even knew what an undercut was. <laughs> Thank you. So actually, right. I, was, I was coloring my eyebrows at 12 years old before people were coloring their eyebrows. And I would make them a little bit thicker because back, um, back in the early 2000s, it was like the thinner eyebrows that were in. And everyone was making fun of me because I was just ahead of the time. And then finally, when college hit, everyone was like darkening their eyebrows. And now, you know, we all get them tattooed or we have, you know, makeup and stuff. So yes, alopecia can be very stylish. 
Right? Yes. (laughs) I always remember, like, when I was a kid, I would see other people walking around, like, with shaved head or shaved eyebrows. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? You know, it's like my whole life was just chasing hair and just trying to get hair. And, um, you know, that's, I I gave up that fight uh, a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. but yeah, 24 but years old was when I let go of the wig, but I moved to um, headscarves. When did you, did you wear wigs? So, you know, my, my, I have a strange relationship with wigs. Um, I, when I was younger, you know, and doing all the blood tests and, and all that, I was also getting fitted for wigs. And I wore a wig to uh, my first day of like first grade or something. And we were playing Duck, Duck, Goose and I was running and my wig fell off and it was a very traumatic experience and, and everyone was laughing at me. And I came home and my, my hair was askew and I was crying. I came off the school bus and I told my mom who probably spent hundreds of dollars on this wig, I pulled it off and I said, I'm never doing, I'm never wearing this again. I'm never doing it again. And it like, that was a really formative moment for me. and you know, we're like you, where you want to encourage that authenticity in your audience. I feel that same way about my audience. And like that, like that is the moment that I can point to where it was like, I'm not lying. I can't lie. I can't be somebody I'm not. Yeah. And that's what that moment taught me. And then I found myself in burlesque, right? And (laughs) everyone wears wigs in burlesque. And, um, but I couldn't, I was like, I, I can't, you know, I can't get into it. And when I started burlesque, my hair kind of looked like this. Actually, it was short and edgy looking. And that's just how I performed because I had this need for honesty, right? And then, um, you know, at some point, like you, my hair grew in and it was like, I felt like a normal girl. You know, it was like the dream that I always wanted was to wake up and have a full head of hair. And then it came out a lot, a lot. And then I started wearing wigs and hiding that. And then finally, um, I think I was, well, it must've been three years ago. So I was 38 where where I made the decision, you know, and I walked into my stylist and I said, you know what, today is the day, like we gotta, we gotta do it and she was really gentle with me and she cut it down really short and I kind of had this cheetah pattern of spots all over my head and I was just like oh like I'm fucking free you know like let's do this and it's it I I so admire what you're doing and I I love that you're a voice for this cause and something I I wonder if you've heard this um well it's just hair right (laughs) how do you feel about that (laughs) (laughs) that's that's what I think is really it's and I need to do more research on it too but it's um yeah it is just hair it should it should just be hair it should just be an accessory just some earrings but it feels like an arm or a leg it feels like a limb because think about it like people even change their their wardrobe based on the color of their hair and like if you and then your your look is very edgy it probably 
you probably dress a certain way, not just colors, but you probably dress a certain way because it's more appealing to, you know, the symmetrics of, of your body of, you know, it just looks different. And, and that gets um, translated into your identity and how you're expressing yourself. And then if you're an artist like us, it's like, that's a big deal. Um, and then also, I mean, just, just recently, politically, um, and then also when you go back into like, um, uh, the history of, of black women's hair and, and even to now, it's like, if it was just hair, then why did they have to cover it up before? Or why do they have to press and permit, you know, if it's just hair, then y'all shouldn't be, you know, um, offended by it at all. So, you know, it, it definitely is like one of those like eye rolling moments, but you kind of have to be, well, I don't know. I try to be as patient as possible because I do recognize people come from a place of just not knowing, not really having had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand the sentiment, yeah. you know, but when you're, when you're going through it and you're just seeing clumps of hair in the sink and in your hand and on your pillowcase, it's just very stressful and hey ironically stress amps up alopecia so it's just like okay so how like what am I supposed to do here right Um, and and having it at six years old or 10 years old and then having and then dealing with it in a different way at 30 years old is like it's like reading it's not like but it's it's very similar to the mentality that happens when you're reading a book at 10 years old and then you read a book you read that same book again at 30 years old you have a totally different perspective and with our life we have a totally different perspective of who we want to represent ourselves to be so um it changes you know our hairstyle and and how we see ourselves and how we want to represent it just it changes and it's a big deal do you feel grateful for your experience with, with alopecia? I, I do, because I don't know who I would have been without it. I mean, even when I was wearing wigs, I was, I was like, talking a different way, and <laughs> I was confused <laughs> of, of where I fit in. And I remember when I was 18, I was thinking to myself, I am trying to dress like all these other people that look nothing like me. And I've learned how to, how to um, be more comfortable with my body and be more comfortable showing that in front of people um, now than ever before. And that's a really empowering thing. Um, yeah. And I don't know who I would have been if I had it a little easier. And I think what you were saying earlier, you, you, haven't, you don't know if you've really met a lot of people with alopecia. It affects like 2% of the population, um, which is actually a pretty significant amount, but we all have it at different levels, you know? So some people may just have that spot or like you or like me or universalist. Um, and so it wasn't until I was on The Voice that I started meeting a lot of people who have alopecia. And it's really cool to see how people have embraced it. but part of being on the other side of this where I'm like, I've had it for years and I feel better now, um, is that I don't remember what it was like feeling day to day. I don't don't remember what it was like exactly to be 10 years old, 12 years old, 16 years old, dealing with people always, you know, 
dealing with caring what people said about my my looks you know and that's the gap that I kind of want to fill now at this point in my life I, I want to remember that and be able to communicate to the kids that are younger than us who maybe want to be a dancer or want to be a singer or performer but they feel like I don't see other people you know with alopecia in that field so then you think like even for me as an actress I'm like I'm either the extraterrestrial, you know, uh, character, or I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't see a lot of bald women uh, represented in just, you know, in, in the wide, in the wide variety of like, um, that, that other characters are being shown. So, and I want to be able to show that for myself and then for people who are younger than us. So I think that's really important too. Yeah. Did you said something that made me think of this, my first moment on stage. Um, I came to dance late. I, I started dancing when I was 15. Um, I was a super shy kid. Like I, even though I developed a, a great personality, I did have friends. I was also super self-conscious because, you know, hair. Um, so my first, my first time on stage, I think I was 15 in a dance recital. And it was such a big moment for me because I felt like I felt like I could I could show people that I have this talent and it, it doesn't have to be like oh look at look at that poor girl or what's wrong with her or let's laugh at her or whatever but it was like look at what I can do um did you have that kind of experience with singing and acting and that's a good question you know I noticed and I think I'm more empathic to it now or like more sensitive to it now. Just the other day I was in Target and these little girls were like, Daddy, she's so pretty and she's bald. She's bald and she's beautiful. Yeah. And like it's all in the background. It's so adorable. And I and and I think that, you know, when I was growing up, I wanted so badly for people just not to notice. And that's why I wore the wig, so I could just be like, eh. but I hadn't become a singer yet. I hadn't really like delved into all my talents. And now that I'm a singer, I recognize that before I open my mouth to sing, before anyone knows I sing, they look at me and they see the image first. And they're, and because I've grown into it and I'm, I feel empowered in my look, people respond the way that I feel inside, you know? And then when I sing, I'm like, and I got that. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. It's kind of a confidence booster because it's something that I've worked on. And I this wasn't a choice, um, but I just had to figure out how to how to work with it. And so that I think um, that was an interesting dynamic because um, I think it still is an interesting dynamic that it's not even though I dress the way I do or I walk the way I do or re represent myself in a certain way. I'm like trying to build my arsenal of talents of skill mm. still kind of i'm not saying don't notice me but i'm still like oh but i got i have so much more than this you know and that almost makes me want to like champion the more of the narrative of like whatever your adversity is you have so much more you know mm -hmm. yeah like your alopecia or your, your adversity is not who you are. It's not your identity. It's part of your story. Yeah. It's part of your message. You know, I think people like us, um, 
using using this uh, to be an advocate for people and be like you're going we're all going through something you know uh, what we're going through physically manifests right so people can tell right away like oh something's off right um but we can pass people down the street and we can make judgments and think oh this person is perfect or i wish i was that person but they're going through stuff we just can't see it yeah right so we we just have to build in that compassion and i feel like that's been one of the greatest lessons that i've learned um in in struggling with with alopecia um what do you feel is one of your biggest lessons that you've learned um that actually what you just said was a really good was a really good one and i was just talking to um a girlfriend of mine, Killian, she has alopecia too. I met her because she was a viewer of The Voice and we just got the talking and um, she was just kind of explaining that same thing. She was like, I, I just have more compassion for other people because I know what I've gone through and I know how I've hidden it. Um, and so I've just been more compassionate to other people. And I think I, think I, would, I would say the same thing um, like I said, I don't know who I would have been. I don't know if I would have been as patient as I am or as understanding or compassionate. I, I still have more work to do for sure, but um, I'm just a lot more inclined to be like, hold on, you know, other than being critical. Um, I, I think that I think that kind of just comes with with this condition um if you're open to it i think compassion i would have to agree with you on that one yeah yeah and just not judging other people but most of all not judging yourself and you know you're talking about being on stage versus being off stage and for me i felt really strong and powerful on stage all the time Mm -hmm. this is where i am off stage i was that little girl in the duck duck goose game I was like, don't look at me. I would do everything I could to not be seen off stage. I just felt so uncomfortable and felt like people are going to find out. They're going to find out my secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like held this very heavy thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, did you feel a difference uh, versus being on stage or off stage in that way of your confidence and self-esteem so when i was 24 it was the time that i stopped wearing a wig but it was also the same year that i became a singer professionally so i was always singing in my living room and in my kitchen and whatnot but i wasn't singing for people and 24 years old was when i was in college i met some musicians and that was what i wanted to do with my life so i did it I would wear, there are a few pictures out there with me wearing a wig, but it it was like, I could even tell I was like holding back, you know? Um, and the way I move is just so sensual and open and I'm, you know, doing it, you, you know, I was, I'm trying to channel my inner burlesque dancer <laughs> inside of me. <laughs> so one day I had a gig um, where I had a, um, a headscarf and I think my journey kind of correlates with um, also with me being um, half black as well, because I, I don't have a good relationship with my father. And um, back when I was 18, I would wear headscarves and people would say, oh, you, oh, my God, you look like an African queen. But I did not take that as, an, as a compliment. 
um, because my me and my dad's relationship was not good. I just associated everybody who looked like him to be like him, and I was like, I don't want any association with that. So that was a really big identity issue on my on the, on its own. Um, but as I was, I mean, I was singing R and B and soul. I can't stray very far away from my <laughs> from my roots. So I'm singing on stage, and one day I wear a headscarf, and this is many years later, after 18, 24 years old. And I had it kind of like up and then I had like one kind of hanging here, like a little ponytail. And, and I noticed I it was orange and it really worked with my skin complexion and my outfit. And people just kept complimenting me saying, wow, it looks really great. I like this look on you. And so I just kind of kept doing it. Um, and with that, I think that paired with learning how to be comfortable on stage and not care if the audience so what would happen is I would look out on the audience's faces and they would I, they would just be really stoic. But then after every song, they'd be like. <laughs> so throughout the entire five minutes of the song and the musician's solo, so they're just like. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, they're just doing this, like talking to other people. <laughs> and my ego was so big. I was like, they're talking about me. They hate me. You know, and then after every song, they're just like happy. So I had to figure out a way to be comfortable with not caring if they liked me or not. And that brought my attention back to me and building confidence in myself and building that tough skin. And then also with my hair, not, not being like, I'm a performer. They wanna escape from their reality. They wanna just sit back and just receive. So I'm the experience. And so my, my, yeah, yeah, wearing without the wig, wearing my style, and then eventually taking it off, that made it even more exhilarating to watch, I think, for people, too, because it just looks different. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, it's kind of like an alien. Like, you just want to keep looking. And I'm like, that is a compliment to me, <laughs> you know? Um, people identify with you in a different way. It's almost like being an art piece that you can just interpret, you know? So I thought I thought that was really cool. And the, that that's kind of how I dealt with um, with both of those aspects. Mm-hmm. Well, they're seeing something in you that they, they want to see in themselves. It's an, yeah. it's an aspirational, it's an aspirational thing. And I, I think my other biggest lesson that I've learned is that vulnerability is strength. And if you can bring people into your world and, and preach that message, vulnerability is so scary, but look at you, like you're, you're doing it, you're being vulnerable, you're exposed, you, you have nothing to hide, right? You're not hiding behind wigs or scarves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you do choose to wear those, maybe you can view them in a way that's not like you're hiding, but more like, this is something fun. Like this is, like you said, a pair of earrings. This is mm-hmm. an accessory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're choosing. You're choosing. You have the choice now. Like you said, you're not hiding from it. I tried wearing yeah. a wig once. Uh, I went to a farmer's market here in LA and I was like, oh, let me just wear it because it was really cold. And I was like, I don't want to wear a hat with this outfit. <laughs> so I put the wig on and I was in the car. I was like, oh, I'm done with this. I could not last 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, I did a film the other day, or a couple weeks ago, and I had a wig, and it was just fun. Like you said, it's part of an experience. Um, and I think right. if you get it that way, it could be really empowering, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. So, um, there was, so between you being on stage and being off stage, where did the transition happen where you felt confident on both? 
stages? Yeah, when I when I came out, so I, I did a I did a big public reveal. I made a video and I put it out and I took my wig off and came clean. And honestly, when I did that, I thought I was going to lose all of my jobs because my the venues that I work for they're selling sexy. And I was like, there's no way they're going to go for this. Um, I was at a really good point in my career, really steady work, which as an artist is, you know, a dream. Um, and so before I came out, I, I went to all the venues and I said, you know what, this is what's going on with me. I am making this announcement because I can't hold this burden anymore. And they were so supportive. And, you know, the first time that I performed without a wig like as myself um was actually in la at a show called lucha vavum do you know that show Mm -mm, Um, it's at the mayan it's at the mayan theater downtown it's like a big um burlesque and mexican wrestling show (laughs) it's wild (laughs) and so like two thousand people there and i'm premiering this brand new act and this brand new look and um holy shit like I was just after that moment I was like a changed woman and that that was three years ago and I've just been like moving in that direction ever since and and really feeling so confident off stage which has been such a great Mm -hmm. thing like oh like the the world is a stage right like yes yeah um so that that is something that um, is is such a welcome change and kind of like you were saying when you were talking about your ego like they're talking about me they hate me blah 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 um, I would feel that way as well like every time I went on stage and made the choice to be myself and present as myself um, I would look at the other girls in the dressing room who had big pinup hair and like perfectly coiffed everything and I was like. they're gonna hate me they hate me they hate me you know and then i'm like well they don't hate me they like me you know like i perform at no vacancy or black rabbit and be like these people they are not gonna get it you know (laughs) But, but then like that was me judging right like that was me putting that on them and not really giving them a chance or myself a chance in that moment so it just came with repetition i think and what's funny about that too is that if you saw a woman who looked like you doing what you do on stage, you'd be like, whoa, that's different. That's cool. (laughs) So we're so critical of ourselves for like no reason. It's just the ego. And yeah, that's really magical. And I can feel I I got goosebumps when you were telling me about that. What was it? Mexican wrestling? Yeah. Yeah. Lucha have boom. It's wild. Yeah. (laughs) I could feel, I feel like that was a big, a big deal. That's really beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, it was a big moment. So how do you like want to move forward in the future? And and how, like, where do you see yourself going with your message of um, living authentically and and mixing that with your art? Yeah, I think um, I've been... uh, uh, it kind of ties in, how do I say this? Sorry, there's so many thoughts in my mind. Um, well, one thing for sure, uh, we we're ta- in my bio, I sent you 
was talking about the psychosocial response. Um, and part of me being on this side where I'm comfortable with myself and I just kind of live my life, not thinking, oh my gosh, I'm bald and our people are going to look at me a certain way. I also forget how I was, how I felt and the thoughts I had when I was 10 years old. And I really want to bridge the gap between me and the people um, or like where I'm at and then the people who are still figuring it out and also their families because even to, to this day, my family just doesn't talk about it. And I think it's just an effort to make me feel well, I think it's not so much of a deliberate effort, but I think my family just doesn't see me any different than they did when I was five years old, seven years old. I'm just their sister or their daughter. Um, but when I was growing up, I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And my family just, in the way they responded was they didn't respond, you know. Um, and when I was teased very, like, to the point where I just was not going to my performing arts school anymore. That's when my mom had to come to the school and talk to the people. But even after that, I still didn't remain going to that performing arts school, which kind of hindered my path in music. And we were really excelling back in the 90s. We were we were doing, you know, um, we were shooting music videos and we were working on um, the new Max and, you know, making editing movies and and audio engineering back when I was nine years old and ten years old you know so that really kind of put a halt on my creative process and I think if that happened to me I'm sure that there are some 16 year olds 12 year olds who are dealing with the social aspect of it and then also figuring not you know just kind of staying away from what they're passionate about and kind of steering away from what they could be passionate about um, and so I definitely want to develop a program with um, some dermatologists and and also people like you and me who are who are talking about that like how do you respond to someone who is bald or who has alopecia areata and I mean, because a lot of the time, I well, not anymore now that I've been on The Voice, just more people recognize me from the show, so they're like, oh, yeah. But before I was on The Voice, people were like, do you have cancer? And I have been able to figure out ways to respond to that instead of getting like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine going up to somebody and asking them if they have cancer? Like, what and I and again, and if I did, like, that doesn't, I don't want to fucking talk about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just, and that's what I mean. And that's what you were saying also, too. I think just people just don't know how to respond. Um, we just, and I think, too, because there's no cure, there's treatment, um, it's seen as kind of like, like you said, just hair. It's just a cosmetic disorder, you know, or, yeah. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a market to be, to to develop a response to people like us and then also just showcase more people like us who are really living in 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 freedom and in in our bodies and just showing people who we are and being okay with that and figuring out how to bridge the gap from one stage to the next and um you know building that confidence in ourselves because i think that will take us so much further and uh, we realize that it's not, even though we're performers, I think you would agree with me, like, it's not, there's not just one type of beauty, and I don't do this because I, I think that I'm beautiful, like, there's, there's, I was doing it before I thought I was beautiful, <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's something, obviously, that's, that's beyond um, alopecia, and I think I want to help bring 
um, families and, and kids and, and men too who have alopecia just some empowerment to you know move forward with their journey. Yeah, we need to develop that support and and also if you can do that through art, I, there's I've learned the greatest lessons in life through art and what I do and so I'm very grateful to have I am very grateful to have alopecia and to have learned these lessons and to develop compassion and um, acceptance for myself and for others. Yeah, yeah, that's where it all starts. And I will ask you one final question. Do people always ask you to touch your head? Um, Okay, so twice. Once at Black Rabbit Rose, and after I was like, yeah, I stopped and I was like, I'm never fucking doing that shit again. Mm-hmm. Why am I letting that person touch my head? First off, this is sacred. <laughs> like, I need to not. Then the second person who asked me to touch my head was James Blake. Oh, wait. Um, is that James? Oh, my gosh. Why am I forgetting his name? James Taylor? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was That's like, surprising. I was like. You can touch my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he was just so, he was like, wow, your head is so beautiful. Can I feel your, your hair? Like your, I was like, yeah, sure. And then he took off his hat and he said, well, you want to touch my head too? And it was just so adorable and so like non-threatening and just not malicious at all or a sense of like, I don't know. There wasn't any, you know, anything to it. Um, but ever since I was, I'm telling you, I don't know what it was about being on a show, but ever since being on the show, a lot of people recognize me and then a lot of people who don't recognize me, they come up to me and it's almost like they keep their distance, but they're like, wow, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting response. But I think if someone were to ask me again, I would definitely say no, absolutely not. Yeah, I think that was one of the most surprising things for me when I was going out. Um, And it happened to me a lot, Um, a lot. People would ask to touch my head. And I was like, this is so bizarre. Isn't it a bizarre request? So bizarre. And I was like, okay, you know, like (laughs) I said, okay. And then I'm like, just like you, like, why am I saying okay? And then... I mean, of course, with COVID, no one's touching me anywhere. <laughs> um, but this one time, in, I was in New York performing, and this one time, this guy asked if he could touch my head, and I was like, "I, you know, I guess so." And then he like licked it, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I don't understand no. it. He had the most inappropriate message on some. <sighs> I don't know what it is. It was like, I want to ejaculate on your head. I was like, what is going on? This is not okay. I I feel, I feel, what's that word? Violated. Yeah. Yeah. It's not okay. No. Yeah, it's not okay, people. Yeah. Don't ask. But you know what? I like to touch my head and it took me a long time to do that. And now I just love it. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know what I do? I do wish that I could feel again is like, um, I don't know if you remember, but when I had a lot of hair, I had a lot, like, do you know what a heat miser is? Mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Heat miser. Yeah. So I had like a big Afro and anytime I would do this after I take my ponytail off, 
oh, it felt so good. But now because I shave my head every two days, it's, it doesn't feel as, it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like sandpaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sindrice, you have so much wonderful stuff going on. Um, how can people keep up with you and, and stay in touch? Uh, yeah, so right now I am on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all that good stuff. I'm taking a small hiatus, um, but you can find me on YouTube. Uh, look up Miss Cedrice, M.S. Cedrice, and that's Cedric with an E at the end. I always tell everybody that. <laughs> They're like, oh, that makes more sense. So you can find me on YouTube and then um, also at cedricemusic.com. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. And it has been such a joy to talk to you and just really healing. And I'm, I'm so happy to know you. Thank you. Likewise, thank you so much for reaching out. This is really, really refreshing for me too. Good, thank you. Okay, everybody, now it's time for you to spread your legs and spread the love. Go ahead and follow Sidris and follow us here at I Look Down There or at Michelle Lamore. And a friendly reminder to grab a mirror and look down there. Until next time.